Thank you so much to our sponsors, Yellow Racket Records, a place for music lovers to discover, hear, and buy new and pre-loved records. Great staff, great coffee, comfy chairs. YellowRacketCHA.com and RC2 Realty Solutions Real Estate Investments. Robin Ring's got a brand new thing. Call 531-1722. Only in Jeff Styles America. Hey folks, Jeff Styles here with Storyville. Fredpodcast.com, the website where all of the Storyvilles and the Rockyologists have been archived for almost a year now. And here with the Argonaut in the studio, and we started, the, was it the end of January, first weekend in February? Last year? So we're closing in on a year of doing two podcasts a week and we appreciate you guys tuning in so much and to our sponsors our advertisers and everybody who has subscribed thank you very much if you haven't subscribed give it a thought this one is going to be really quick and i know i say that and then i talk for 25 minutes that's not going to happen today it is going to be quick it's going to be really i'm just kind of just wrapping up a couple of uh, stories kind of putting the bow on a couple of tales for you one the first one the podcast that we did last week of course if you heard just the audio version then you still were able to keep up with it i don't think you had to see the visuals of the first ever video storyville we'd ever done in search of adam ant if you don't know anything about it essentially was this there is a lady here in town who reached out to me here at the radio station nuga radio where i work during the week do my morning show here with jason and a couple of other folks and she knew that I was intensely interested in music, even though I was a talk radio guy, and said, I happen to have a bunch of memorabilia and paraphernalia and bric-a-brac from Adam Ant, from the old new wave 80s superstar, the, the, the guy that just rose to uh, meteoric heights on that first wave of popularity from MTV back in the 80s. A British uh, artist, musician, their band could sound fairly dark and menacing like a lot of punk and new wave bands, but it was also very danceable and, and upbeat for the most part, but very eccentric, very different. They dressed like sort of buccaneers from space, pirates from some sort of uh, um, gay musical. I'm not really sure exactly how to put it. Boy George meets Captain Jack Sparrow. Um the sexuality being put aside has nothing to do with anything. Adamant was a huge heartthrob, a huge heartthrob, poster boy, calendar, stuff like this. And we found out that he indeed had lived next to this lady, very, very nice lady named Christy Slack, who lived out in Pikeville, Tennessee, a small town outside of Chattanooga where this podcast originates for about two and a half years. And we looked into the story about what brought him from the U.K., past New York, past L.A., past Atlanta, to Pikeville, Tennessee, in the middle of Bledsoe County, the Sequatchie County, this as rural a Tennessee as you can get, a little Mayberry-like town. And it was a really intriguing story. But we entitled the video In Search of Adam Ant, and at the end of it, almost 28 minutes long, and I got nothing but positive comments on it, apparently it was watchable enough to really hook people, and they watched it through the entire length of the video, 
and we started exploring some of the stuff that was in these bins that he left behind. And uh, I put out a call for help to you people because I don't Facebook. I don't tweet. I don't Instagram. I don't do any social media whatsoever. I have a Facebook page. I don't ever go to it. My wife does. My boss here at the station does. They use it to communicate. But we actually put the video, shot it with a GoPro. I came in here and used some simple software to edit the video together and went as as rough as you possibly could, you know, for the titles at the beginning of the short film in search of Adam and I just wrote with a Sharpie on a couple of pieces of paper, you know, here's the title, here's the names of the people in it. And at the end, I asked for people's help, help us find Stuart Goddard, AKA Adam Ant, and let's get his stuff back to him. Christy would like to get it out of her basement. We're talking about 15 big plastic tubs and we were really thinking this was going to be fun. We were going to engage you guys and get y'all on the search, and everybody was going to turn into a mini sleuth and track down Adamant, and we were going to you know, reunite him with all of this stuff from his early career, and it was going to be fun. And we put it on YouTube without saying anything about it. We didn't mention it to anybody. We didn't promote it. We didn't launch it. I was working in conjunction with a local newspaper writer, the longtime entertainment editor for the Chattanooga Times Free Press, Barry Quarter, and we were going to coincide it with an article that he did indeed have come out in this last Sunday's paper. Great, I mean, front page, big feature article on this effort. But the fact of the matter is, is that as soon as we put it on YouTube, just so we could share the video back and forth as a link, all of a sudden we start getting word that people are hitting on it. Just apparently across the globe, people doing random searches on Adam Ant or Adam and the Ants or one of his songs were being directed to this new entry under his name, which was the video that we did. So before we said a word about it, there were over, there were hundreds of views and over 250 comments. And this was without any promotion whatsoever. So before we even really got a chance to talk about it on that, on the radio or the article came out in the Sunday paper, it had already gotten back, word had gotten back to Adam Ant, to his management, his manager, his ex-wife who was featured in the video, and he had all seen it. Everybody liked it. Everybody thought that it was done tastefully and was funny, but they wanted it pulled down because it was a copyright infringement for YouTube because I had used snippets of his videos Without anybody's permission, I just lifted him because that was part of the story. The juxtaposition of this odd guy being in this small, normal southern town, and nobody knew who he was, and he enjoyed that. But the use of the video ended up actually causing it to be pulled from YouTube. I don't think it was done at Adam Ant's request. Maybe it wasn't even done at his manager's request. It may have just been the logarithm that YouTube uses that just kind of kicked it off. So we moved it over to another uh, format, and you can still you know, find it. If you've not seen it, you can go to uh, NougarRadio.com or Nougar Radio's Facebook page and track it down and see the video. Jason, as a matter of fact, put it on um, a unit uh, what is it? A OneDrive? A OneDrive. So you can still see it. And and it's still clever and it's still funny and it's still fun. But Stuart reached back out to his former neighbor 
and uh, they talked, and uh, his ex-wife talked to her, and so his stuff is going to end up back in his hands. Essentially, it was a happy ending. That's it. It's taken me seven minutes to say it was a happy ending to the story. Adam and his stuff, and he meticulously kept a scrapbook of his career, his early career. All that stuff's going to get back to him, and he appreciated it very much. So I just wanted you guys to know how successful that project was, and we already have now requests from people. I've got a half a dozen requests from people who want us to do a second and third and more of these video in search of type projects uh, dealing with musicians and musical acts and performers and actors and famous people who have come through our neck of the woods in one way, shape, form, or another, either lived here uh, for a while or have lots of friends and family and relatives here or some sort of route here or did a famous you know, stage production here that, that launched them. There are all kinds of funky stories going around out there and something we're going to pursue in the future. That is one story kind of being wrapped up for a year at Storyville today. The other one, it's also just kind of putting a bow on a story. Uh, you may remember the Storyville that I did uh, right before Christmas, and we were talking about Christmas Adam. Christmas Adam, which is the day that comes before Christmas Eve because Adam came before Eve. And it's something that is celebrated in my hometown. And it's a tradition. I mean, it truly is. It's something that is observed and celebrated. A bunch of my friends and even some family members, and it's gotten to be a pretty sizable group of people, get together out in the woods, out on a piece of property in the middle of nowhere in our tiny town of Bowden, Georgia, right outside of it, as a matter of fact, in the outer metro area of Bowden um, on the day and night before Christmas Eve. And it was a tradition that was started by my friends Steve Harper, known as Tarzan, and a friend named Tommy Daniel, who was a little bit older than even Steve's and a year older than me. Tommy was two years older than me. TD was what he was known as. He was a great guy. He was a remarkably cool human being. I worked alongside of him in my family wholesale grocery business for a while. We became very fast friends, and he fell into this group of outdoors buddies of mine that went hunting and camping and fishing and canoeing and kayaking all the time and backpacking. We went on several big backpacking trips together. Steve, Tarzan, and T.D., Tommy, were the ones that basically experienced this thing that started Christmas. Adam, well, we lost T.D. last year, um, and so one of the founders of Christmas, Adam, was lost to us after a struggle with a chronic illness, and we miss him very, very much. But I was not able to get down to Christmas, Adam, because of COVID. Uh, our traveling was limited. I wasn't going to be able to see many of my family members anyway because they were in, you know, isolation. But I got this from my friends Jim Osier, who you've heard on these airwaves before, and Steve Tarzan, same thing, heard on the podcast before. Um, I got this from them, and I'm just going to read this to you verbatim. This is a text that came in on December 28th of last year. Hey, El Jefe, listened to your podcast today. Jim and I listened to your Levon Helm Christmas song for the first time ever after midnight on Christmas Eve at Christmas Adam. I had sent them the song from the band, the Christmas song, Christmas Must Be Tonight, 
which I had lived most of my life without knowing existed, and we made it part of our little special Christmas rockology that we did with nothing but Christmas music the week I took off. Um, so it goes, keeps, uh, continues, the text continues. It was just the two of us, Jim and I, the creek and the fire and Jesus. We loved it, loved the song. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Now you need to tell the rest of the Christmas Adams story. Tommy's family brought some of T.D.'s ashes to Christmas Adam. They had a moment there in which they honored the patriarch of their family. Some of T.D.'s ashes were sent downstream. By the way, Christmas Adam's site is where Tommy's daddy was born. The land was sold out of the family. Tommy's daddy, known as Theodore Doe Daniel, operated a peddling truck, a rolling store something we might explore sometime later on in Storyville, the existence of these rolling stores in little southern towns. It was a staple. Um, later in life, as he peddled his wares, he found out that the land was for sale again and bought it back. Skip forward. Later, Tommy's family asked if Jim and I would like to sprinkle some of T.D.'s ashes in the fire. We did so. Simultaneously, it started to rain, and it rained hard that night so hard that the little creek rose higher than Jim and I have ever seen it rise. We were the only ones still there. We kept backing up and backing up until we were plumb out from under the tarp. Jim commented, wondering if the creek would rise up far enough to consume the fire. It did. There was a hissing and a smoking and a whirling conflagration, and then T.D.'s ashes became cold again and chased the rest of them down the stream. It was shocking interesting, satisfying, and special. We each captured a video of that special moment and a special memory. So they shared that with me, asked me to share it with you, and I just did. This is Storyville, and I'm going to wrap today's up by saying something you probably could never have seen coming in a million years. I'm going to send love and good thoughts and well wishes and support for what it's worth, intellectual and spiritual support to the company that unceremoniously fired me after almost three decades of working for them. I mean, really working hard and being a tremendous success for them and making a success out of the station where I worked. And there's no denying this. They fired me unfairly. They fired me unjustly, but they fired me. And now I'm here working with Jason and Jen and Russell and my friends over here at Nuga Radio. But that's not what this is about. Clearly, I'm bitter about that. That was a huge chunk of my life and was treated extremely poorly. And nobody wanted to hear my side of the story of the incident that led to my termination. There were charges against me that were dropped and expunged. Everybody agreed that I was the victim of a crime, not the perpetrator of any kind of crime. They all wish they had it back, but they can't get it back. I would never work there again anyway. But I am concerned over something that's happened on a national level to that company, the Cumulus Broadcasting Corporation. Cumulus is huge. They own 400 radio stations, more TV stations, and other media outlets. They employ thousands of people in the communications business, journalism business, particularly talk radio and talk TV, including some of the biggest right-wing talking heads in the land. 
back when talk radio was an alternative media, these people came forward. The the Rush Limbaugh never worked for Cumulus, but Sean Hannity did and still does to an extent. And an edict has come down after the riots in D.C., the Trump-incited riots, the attempted coup, the insurrection, the, the, the just violent breakout uh, that destroyed part of our capital and terrorized, you know, our congressmen and senators and killed five people. After that, there was a call from Cumulus for unity and for healing, and it was a time to restore credibility in our national media and our national you know, journalists and the American news cycle. And I agree with all that, but they told each and every one of their employees that you are not allowed to suggest that the election was unfair. Now, I think the election was fair. I know it was. I think that it's sad and pathetic that so many people could be so misled to actually go and attack their own national capital and tear down American flags and put up Trump flags because they believe the lie that the election was stolen from them. But in this business, we're not here to make friends and influence people. We're here just to influence people into action or into a thought pattern. It's my mission every day to change people's minds and make them feel the way I feel about things. And it's my job to hook up advertisers and their products and services with people out there who want them, no matter what they think about my political opinions. It's a multifaceted, multi-layered job, and it's not as easy as you guys might think it is. Going on the air and giving your opinion every day, and then when the people that own you your bosses, your superiors, the ones that can terminate you are in charge of your paycheck and your benefits package, say, here's an entire controversial topic that you cannot talk about or you cannot cross this imaginary line that we've just set. Literally, they said point blank, if you say that the election was stolen, if you say that the election was unfair, if you say that Anything that would plant the seed of doubt, continue to plant the seed of doubt that our election system is somehow less than 100% secure, you will be terminated. They didn't beat around the bush. They said, expect to be separated from the company. Termination upon utterance of a very strongly held belief on the part of many of my former brothers and sisters that worked for that corporation. I think it's a chilling effect. It was not necessary to have that kind of edict from on high. I applaud any media outlet for trying to clean up their message and their content and make sure that it's not making America a worse place. But so many of these people, have they've hung their hat on this argument. Some of them truly do believe it. For those who don't believe in and push it, I've got nothing for them. That's evil to try to make somebody believe something you know not to be true because you're going to benefit from it somehow. That's evil. That's what Donald Trump does. That's what Dick Cheney did. That's what other rotten politicians from both parties do. That's not what journalists should be doing. And I'm not saying the talk radio hosts are always journalists, but it's about the closest definition you get. And I'm just saying I feel for them now to have to be thinking about even letting possibly a caller and their opinion go out over the airwaves owned by Cumulus that might say, well, you know the fix was in, you know it was rigged, and they get fired for that. 
I don't have any such onus on me. There is no sort of Damocles hanging over my head by one human hair that says you will be set loose again and go have to hit restart on your life and your career at 60 years of age if you say A, B, C, 1, 2, 3. I have an owner that backs me 100%, even though he disagrees with me on everything. So I want to say thanks to my coworkers and my owner here, and I send my concerns across the river, across town, and across the breach and the divide to my former employers and coworkers and say, I hope y'all figure this out. Free speech cannot be abridged. It can be adjusted. It doesn't always have to be tolerated by everybody. But when you're in the business of free speech, you need to keep speech free. I really highly question that judgment. Thank you very much for listening to today's story, Bill. Keep on going. Fredpodcast.com. Spread the word. Subscribe. Fred Podcast wouldn't be possible without the support of our sponsors. Southern Segway, Chattanooga's first consumer Segway dealer. Find them at Southern Segway on Facebook and Instagram. Dr. Brett Moldenhauer, Institute for Acupuncture and Wellness, and North Spring Cryotherapy and Rejuvenation Center. Find them at northspring.com. For more, go to fredpodcast.com.